We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everyone. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm all right. I'm actually not all right. I, 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 uh, I'm currently on day two of COVID. Oh, man, I hate what? that. I'm sorry. No way. Yep. That's Bad what I, luck. That's what I get. That's... That's what I get for traveling all over the country last week. Yeah, you really were Mr. Worldwide the last couples. Although what's funny is I was I've been Mr. Worldwide all year. Like this has just been a very, very busy year. Um like I had like there was a week that like in June I was in Tulum, Austin, and Phoenix. I was in London the last week of July, Seattle the first week of August. Um, it's all over the place, and I guess this time they got me. Uh, but you know, I mean, like at this point, it just feels like a between like an annoying cold and the flu. But um, but uh, you know, I'll be all right. I'm just quarantining in my basement. I've been watching a lot of Knicks. Fell down a fell down a the I fell down a WWE rabbit hole the last two nights. It is fascinating. There are things I'm learning things I never ever really thought. Um but whatever. Uh all right. I'll start. Okay. Uh let's let's start now. Uh ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean for W. Thank you for joining us today. And I am joined by my co-host, the the young upstart, as as he is referred to by one Robert W. Cross. Um, Mr. You call me Mr. Worldwide. You're Mr. TV because you're every every time I look, you're doing a different game from from a different location. That's Chris Persian. Chris, how are you? What's going on, man? Um yeah, yesterday was a lot of fun. Well, except for the final score at the the Garden, but um, it was a lot of fun yesterday to call a game from MSG, even though the Knicks were on the road. Um, not as they're just as successful of a trip for the Knicks as it was for the Rams downtown. Um, I, I will say that I, you know, I, I'll preface with over the course of an eighty-two game season, there are going to be good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks, good months and bad months. Um, but it's also, you know, it's kind of our job to dissect what we can from either side of that. And and it's it's kind of about keeping takeaways for going forward. So, you know, trimming the fat, if you will, and uh, taking away what we can from these games these last couple games for the Knicks um, is a tall task today, but but I'm excited to get into it with y'all. Same here, same here. And also joining us live from an undisclosed location with his newborn baby boy 
is Mensa Smith. Mensa, welcome to KFS Study Hall. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me once again. You know, having a good time, uh, trying to fight sleep deprivation and all the things that come with newborn parenthood. But other than that, I'm ready to talk some Knicks and talk about some troubling trends that we've been seeing over the past two weeks. Let's discuss those trends. Um, I'm actually going to, there is a tweet that I saw from Nick's Muse. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to see if I could find it. Um, but it basically says that um, since 12 days ago, the Knicks were number three in defensive rating. And today they are 18th. And I wonder what changed in those last 12 days. Does anybody know? Can anyone, cause, can anyone point that out? Um, all right, I'll just tell you. Uh, we lost Mitchell Robinson. And the funny thing is, I've been having a back and forth with, I've had a somewhat of a back and forth with, um, what's his name? Chris Barnett from Hoop Spaces because he had a, um, he released, and I, I'm actually going to see if I can find that tweet also. He released a top five way too early top five defensive player of the year rankings. And it was like Rudy Gobert and Herb Jones and um, hold on a second. Had to cough um, and whatever. And I was like, Mitchell Robinson should be an honorable mention. And he was just like, absolutely. He was like, no. And I'm like, dude, this dude should be an honorable mention. And needless to say, like your defense, defense has fallen off an absolute cliff. So I'm assuming, Mensa, that's what you want to reference. So I will yield the floor to you. Um, say what's on your mind. Yeah. So a couple of days ago after the Utah Jazz game, everybody was like the day after everybody was like super focused on R.J. Barrett's poor performance as if R.J. Barrett's poor performance um, and look, it was a terrible performance. I don't want to. I don't want to beat around the bush. There, he did not play well against Utah. But nobody played well against Utah except for Divincenzo. Quick, I'm sorry, quickly and and Randall. The reason why I was like, guys, there are more pressing issues on the table than R.J. Barrett's poor performance. Um, well, that's why because we have not been able to stop anybody for the past two weeks, right? And a lot of that is because now that. Um, Quentin Grimes is not in the starting five, and now that Mitchell Robinson is on the is on the um the mend, he's healing. He's going to be out for the next what two and a half months. Now we're looking at a team where R.J. Barrett is one of the either the most important or the second most important defender in your starting five when he was the third most important defender in your starting five about three weeks ago. That's really troubling. Like the Knicks. Are at a place in there in in the season where it's like they have to rediscover their identity because we're not winning the offensive we're not winning the offensive rebounding game anymore. Last night we got our rebounded by three, not crazy, but defensively we gave up forty eight percent of open three. Forty eight percent is what the Clippers hit from three last night, and that's just been a trend. I think the worst anybody has shot from three against us this um over the past three uh, well twelve days is thirty eight percent from three, which is good. If a team is shooting 38% from three, they're doing what they need to do. The Knicks have an issue with their defensive identity at the moment. We're not winning the rebounding battle. I think Jericho Sims kind of just lost all goodwill he had last night because he got flat out toasted by Ivica Zubac. They were, they were just... I'm watching this guy. I'm like, does he win any 50-50 balls? And this is not, and I don't want to turn this into the disparaging Jericho Sims uh, space because Jericho Sims is the 58th pick in the draft. You know, at, at a certain point, a guy is picked um, at a certain place in the draft because of what he's able to do. And he is not necessarily able to be a starting center in the NBA. So we don't have Mitchell Robinson. Quentin Grimes is now on the bench. So you're looking at a, a situation where chances are your three or four best defenders are all coming off the bench with Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart, and Isaiah Hartenstein, probably your four best defenders all on your bench. And then, there's the Emmanuel quickly of it all where this guy can't get 20 minutes a game. To me, these trends are more troubling than what RJ Barrett did against the, the Utah jazz. And lo and behold, RJ Barrett was good the last two games and we still can't stop anybody, you know? So that was really what I was trying to point out. And of course I got docs for it. Who cares? But 
this is what we are here to discuss today. At least is what I'm here to discuss is the New York Knicks need to rediscover their identity or reinvent it because we are not going to be able to with this starting five at least we're not going to be able to rely on getting stops. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be able to rely on one of the offensive rebounding battles. So now possessions are more at a premium than they were a month ago. So it's like how are we going to be using these possessions more usefully because we're just not going to have as many as we used to. We used to shoot more than the other team and last Last night we did. I think we took either five or six more free, um, five or six more uh, field goals than the Clippers, but they still cooked us because they were able to shoot forty eight percent from three. So there's a lot going on with the New York Knicks as far as what they need to do to be successful going forward because they cannot rely on what they did up to this point to be successful because it's not there anymore. Quentin Grimes is not a starter at the moment. Mitchell Robinson is out until maybe late winter and we just need we just need to see the Knicks reinvent themselves on the fly otherwise in my opinion the season's going to go left. I think um rent due tips we need to that do very very soon because I feel and and Chris want to get your thoughts I fear as if so John said this on a post game a few days ago when People come to him or people ask him about the defensive scheme and if it's working, should he change that he the first thing he goes to is is the effort there and is the execution there. And which is fair. Like you can't say something doesn't work if you're not actually trying to run it properly. But um the the can this defense of Rich Mitchell Robinson execute the def- execute the scheme and can this defense give the effort? And, you know, there's one guy in particular that we know when it comes to effort on defense is, oh, Lord. But um, but some guys are executing, are efforting. They're just terrible at it. So, uh, Chris, your thoughts on what Mintz said about um, our defense or like thereof? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I saw Schwinn from the Strickland put out a tweet about it. So I'll shout him out. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure eight other people have said this. That's just who I saw say it first. So, you know, problem with Nick's Twitter is eight people have the same thought and then you, you credit one and the other seven get mad. But I mean, um, the guys are kind of learning like what they had now that they don't have it. Um, for all the complaints about everything, everything has pros and cons. There's good and bad to everything, right? And so, um, Obviously, Hartenstein in instead of Mitch means more passing, more easy buckets uh, off the ball. You know, you can cut in the open space inside and get fed and be able to score an easy two and all that, right? But when the ball's in your hands, you're not dumping it down low to the dunker the same way you were. You're you're not... Um, you're definitely not trusting him defensively on that end. And that's the end where things really matter. You're definitely not trusting Hartenstein on that end the way you trusted Robinson. Um, And the other thing is, you know, for Brunson's defensive uh, goodness to start the year, he's been pretty poor recently defensively. And um, Robinson used to really help with that because if Brunson funneled anyone to the paint, well, that was quite all right with Mitch Robinson. So that I do think though that um now with with Harten with Hartenstein, you know, playing more minutes, it, it should probably be with the starting unit, though. And the reason I'll say that is because he's just that much better than Jericho Sims, where I get I get the um discrepancy in play style and and the perceived similarity between Sims and Robinson as opposed to uh, Hartenstein. But Jericho Sims screens pretty pretty well, pretty hard. He picked that up at Texas and, and learned that and whatever. And like that's kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm being reductive, right? But besides screening well and switching really hard and, and being agile, I don't see right now the justification for starting NBA games. And and the problem is that yeah, Hartenstein, like Thibodeau will will say, has great synergy with the bench unit, sure. But he's also much better at basketball than Jericho Sims. And at a certain point, you've got to put your best five out there 
Um, and I know it matters more who closes games, but starting games in a hole because Yusuf Nurkic or Ivica Zubac see this guy's food down low is, is rough. Um, and, and that's nothing against Jericho. He's not supposed to be starting NBA games right now, but that's that's kind of the role he's been in with the Knicks is he's gotten this opportunity to start games for a good team. Um, and that requires being a certain caliber of player. I think Hartenstein is that level of guy. So I would just switch it up and I would just try to, like, I, I wouldn't be so obsessed with the hockey shift. I would just f- tell them to figure it out. They're NBA players. They can play with each other. Yeah, I think the whole, you know, it's funny, the one that running jokes on Nick's Twitter is continuity. And I think, like, Tim's just like, well, you know, if I lose this guy, well, if I take this guy out the starting lineup, if I put this guy in the starting lineup, I lose my bench. I lose the stuff on the bench. But but what you're taking, you're taking way more off the table than what you're putting on. Um, but again, we know our head coach is very very slow to make the changes that are needed, um, even when they're staring him in the face. So I don't know how long this is going to last, but we shall see. Uh, also, we have on stage is Mr. Robert Cross. Um, very good morning to you. Um, if anyone has anything they want to say, listen. If you want to, if you want to let off some steam, if you want to trash the team, if you want to praise the team, if you want to do whatever, uh, raise your hand. We'll bring you to the stage. If you can't make it to the stage, uh, leave a comment in the chat, which is in the lower right hand corner, and we will read your comment on the air. Mr. Cross, good morning. How are you? What is on your mind? Fine. I'm sitting outside in cold Central Oregon in front of a fire. That way you don't have to hear the ambient noise. Sounds nice. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into two topics really. One's a macro thing. One's a micro thing, and it kind of plays a little bit off of both what Menza and my guy, the young upstart, are saying. Um, I think that Tibbs is really going to be tested and this team is going to be tested the next two and a half months for the simple reason that offensively and defensively, Mitchell Robinson was and is the anchor. And right now, defending our own, our own basket, we're on moored. I mean, you can just see it. <clears throat> um, to start the game last night, People are attacking the rack, going to put us in foul trouble. Got Ole defense at the point of attack. And uh, Julius, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just not a winning proposition. And it's exhausting. It's just, it's just not going to work. And, w- and where I'm concerned, and I think someone just said hockey shifts. I've broken my hands a few times in hockey, by the way. Um, and uh, my friend uh, Sean Getty's auto subs. That, that's that, that's where my concern is at this point because you you don't have your anchor. Your defense is unmoored. You're going to have less offensive possessions. We know that that's where the Knicks have been finding margin. I'm actually not that concerned about the offense comparatively, but the idea that we're going to approach the next two months with Jericho starting and auto subs and stuff like that will be right out of the playoffs. Right? Like I, I would see us just falling to sixth or seventh. And I don't I don't think it needs to be the case. Right? I don't I don't I don't think it needs to be the case, but it but it very well could be the case. Now I know it's the holiday season, but there's one topic that I'm really unhappy about. And it's concerning, and I think the handwriting on the wall, and I'm going to call it the miseducation of Emmanuel quickly. The, the idea that this guy in his fourth year, after all that he's demonstrated um, from an analytics point, and everybody knows that I love basketball analytics, and the quality that he possesses and then the ability to impact the game, and he's playing how many minutes a game right now? He's averaging under 24 minutes a game. I, it's <clears throat> like I, I know that I have a tendency to be agitated or go off on things, but this has me pissed off. 
because I, I, I truly think that IQ is a very, very good basketball player that has been underutilized by the Knicks, not just this year and other years. And right now, um, when we need to be crafty, when we need to be creative, when we need to uh, approach games and be malleable and be flexible, I think these two issues are kind of playing hand in hand. The, the notion that IQ and JB can't play in the same backcourt is completely false. I love it. I, I love that, Robert. I was just about to interject and say, um, like, just throw in a sentence here before you continue. I think that the the resume and authority of Tom Thibodeau intimidate the Nick fan base like no other recent coach has. Um, and so there's kind of this, it, things kind of get seen binarily as in, oh, well, Nerlens has to do this or this because he can't possibly do this. Otherwise, Tibbs would have, you know, like I think, I think this thing happens to the discourse where if Thibodeau determines something can't happen, everyone magically forgets that Thibodeau has like long been infamous for being a really good, really stubborn basketball coach. And the good yeah. doesn't have to disappear when you shine a flashlight on the stubborn. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, Chris. Um, I mean, I'm not, I've had my issues with Thibodeau. John and I go at it about it here and there. I've actually, I mean, nobody as a Knicks fan can be unhappy with the progress the past four years and the stability. And I think, Sean, you talk about how the team's consistent and he, and he does all those things. One of my favorite books is called The Art of the Opposable Minds. You know, and it talks about context, about two things can be true. And I, and I think that that's part of what we're going to see. And I, I just don't want, I don't want to sit here game after game, auto subs, RJ coming out, even though he's going, uh, IQ not getting enough minutes, Josh Hart. I, I'll be straight up honest about Josh Hart. I've known Josh Hart a long time because my school Seton Hall, I, when Josh Hart got acquired, this was what I was afraid of. Like <clears throat> Josh Hart playing more minutes, and it's not speaking against him, but I'll tell you right now, IQ's a better basketball player than Josh Hart. I would argue that IQ might be the third best basketball player on the team, and that includes RJ Barrett. And why is he playing under 25 minutes a game when in an instance like this, you know, I might be calling the rotation on some nights when you're not doing four and five, when you're not doing back-to-back. IQ could be playing 30 to 35. Explain to, my, explain to me why he cannot. And as JB is getting, is getting pummeled, taking charges, running through screens, why not put JB as the off guard half the time and give us a chance the next two months while the big anchor heals? You know, Robert... So first of all, you everyone knows where my stance is on Josh Hart because he's that he's that dude that does the things that coaches love, and then he ends up playing way more minutes than he should. He is the perfect guy. He should be. He's the on a championship team on a championship contender. He's like your seventh guy, and on our team, he is the fifth. He's the sixth, and sometimes the fifth. Um, and it's really really frustrating. I like to make the joke that he Jedi mind tricked. Uh, Steve Kerr to putting him in the starting lineup in FIBA in the FIBA World Cup, and then after a while he was like, "Oh, you're Josh Hart, sorry." Um, but I'm glad you brought <laughs> up the IQ thing because I want I want to ask the panel like, why do we think Emmanuel quickly doesn't get the minutes that he that we think he should get? Why? And again, this is three years in this is three years in a row where Tibbs has been yanking this dude's minutes around to start the season. Why do we think? that this is happening. We'll go to uh, Robert, and then we'll go Mensa, and then Chris. Um, I think it's Tibbs' rigidity. I mean, he sees him as a point guard, and he gets too stubborn. I mean, this is, what year is it, 2023? I mean, it's like positionless basketball, right? And a guy like IQ with his length, his defense, his activity on the boards – I don't 
I don't care if he's a point guard. What the hell does that even matter anymore? He could be playing three different positions to an extent, depending on who's on the floor. So I, I think the number one reason he plays the minutes he does is that we have Jalen Brunson and Tim's Tibbs has him pigeonholed into a backup point guard. Mensa? Yeah, I this goes back to what I was talking about on the casual Friday when I gave uh, Leon Rose in the front office my why so unserious because there are just too many bodies there for any one person to be happy. Um, I think Tom Thibodeau sees a DiVincenzo. He sees an RJ Barrett. He sees a Quentin Grimes. He sees a, um, he sees an Emmanuel quickly and he sees a Josh Hart and is trying to make them all share about 96 ish minutes. Um, so Emmanuel quickly being at 20 minutes a game is kind of just like a byproduct of how we, of how the front office, I should say, chose to build this team. Um, a lot of the problem is, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is just Tibbs doesn't, I don't believe Tom Thibodeau understands how valuable Emmanuel quickly is because Emmanuel quickly is a player who should be seeing between 27 and 32 minutes a night. That's just where he is in his career. That's just how good he is at basketball. And to me, the whole argument for, Oh, Emmanuel quickly is too short to, to play alongside Brunson while you're interested in Donovan Mitchell who is probably shorter than Emmanuel quickly. You know, Donovan Mitchell built pretty similarly, actually. I think Donovan Mitchell, when he came out of Louisville, he was listed at six one and a half with a six nine wingspan. I think Quick is six three with a six eight wingspan, according to the listing that when he came out of uh, Kentucky. So these guys are built similarly, but you're willing to play one if you trade for him. But the one guy that you have in-house on your roster who according to basically every available credible statistic is one of your most important basketball players. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but I think it's because of two things because Leon Rose put too many guys in that position and two Tom Thibodeau just doesn't seem to value him in the way that stats tell you he should be valued. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. 
I have a response to the whole Donovan Mitchell thing, but I'm gonna let Chris go. Go, Chris. What do you? What say you? Uh, I mean, I kind of. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I want to let you just go about that first. <laughs> That's my honest take. If you want me to talk about it quickly, I can. Um, I mean, so why they answered Donovan Mitchell? Because if you look at Donovan, if you look at Tom Thibodeau's um, history as a head coach, he like he he values super like his system requires someone who can score at a high level and will be really really good at putting the ball in the basket and will take the and will take the defense um and will allow them to get away with stuff on the defensive end i mean look at it he had derrick rose he had jimmy he had jimmy but well he thought he had um carl anthony towns and he was like nah this dude ain't it and got jimmy butler like he values he values especially he values guards that can attack the rim relentlessly and score and score at the cup and i mean that look he kept playing a man he uh man he kept playing alfred payton and Alfred payton was no good but guess what Alfred payton would do he'd attack the rim he attacked the rim he attacked the rim and he's and and now nah, he's finishing was terrible at the rim and donovan mitchell will attack the rim so that's why because he'll be like, fine, now I have this guy. Listen, and that's why he lets Julius get away with what he does, because Julius will attack, and Julius is a high-level scorer. So, and he does, to to the point about Robert made about being pigeonholed, he just does not see Emmanuel quickly as that type of player. So he is going to just say, like, and, and also on the other side, like, Emmanuel quickly is an amazing help defender. He's an amazing anchor. His point of attack defense isn't as good. Not that he's bad, but is that as good? And because he's small, and I think Tibbs is like, well, this guy can guard ones and maybe twos, whereas Josh Hart can guard ones and twos and threes and fours. So that's why he's getting minutes. The funny thing is when Josh Hart got ejected in the in the Clipper game, I said to myself, we should see way more quickly minutes and way more RJ minutes and <laughs> – <laughs> Tim's found a way to just keep doing what he was doing. Oh. I don't disagree with. Go ahead. Mr. I don't disagree Chris. with any of that. I I a hundred percent agree with it. The only thing that I was the reason why I brought up Donovan Mitchell is because to me it's like you're not not playing Emmanuel quickly with Jalen Brunson because he's too small. Like that's not the reason why. You know that's that's the only thing I was pointing out. So because because they're interested in a probably shorter basketball player to play alongside Jalen Brunson, then you can't tell me now that height isn't the reason that you're not playing Emmanuel quickly. I agree that it's because Tibbs doesn't see him in the light that we see him. That's more important than, oh, he's too short because that that's that's complete crap. I'm not I'm not hearing that Emmanuel quickly is too short to play next to Jalen Brunson. That's all I was pointing out. Well, I agree with you 100%. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I think, you know, even back to what I said earlier, like, I think Thibodeau sees players in very specific ways and angles and lights. Um, and, you know, we got Jeff in the audience, who who I believe was who had the, the great tweet about Thibodeau and quickly basically saying that, um, you know, Thibodeau has shown people what they think, what, shown people what he thinks about quickly um, for a while. <laughs> He's shown people for a while, um, and they uh, they always have opportunities to play him more, and they never take them. Um, and it's only questionable, in my opinion, because of the the staunch announcing of the reliance on net rating. Like I feel like um, Thibodeau, if he says net rating is the only statistic out there that I give a damn about out of all these advanced stats, you know, like I, I think Thibodeau cares about opponent three point field goal percentage. I think he wants the Knicks to be top five to 10 in the NBA every year in three pointers made and taken. I think he wants them to be in that range with an average, a league average or higher efficiency. Thibodeau is really big on just comparing with the rest of the league in a given season to account for any, you know, era-based changes. Um, if you just compare yourself to all the other teams, you get a pretty good standing of where you're at in his eyes. Um, but the one individual stat he kind of swears by is net rating. And every year, every game, every week, every month, every half season, every 
whatever. Emmanuel quickly has the best net rating on the Knicks, and it, it never seems to reflect in his PT. Um, and so that that's odd, you know. And and um, uh, if if I'm covering a game soon where that's the case, and and he doesn't play much, sure, I'd love to ask about it. But uh, Fred Katz just just did the other day, um, and it it was a whole thing. So Thibodeau clearly kind of like goes into Bossing say like there's nothing going on there's no war in Bossing say like it's like he's like oh we love net rating so much it's net, it's everything and you're like okay well there's this guy who has the best net rating and he's like I don't know and it's just like all right I, Chris I I appreciate that point you know because analytically the guy's off the charts and again I'm. I do a fair amount of analytics in my professional life. It's not how I watch basketball. Um, Absolutely. You you watch him to the eye. He's a very good basketball player. But and a balanced one, like you were saying earlier. But this now this is a, a micro point to what I think is the larger issue. The larger issue is right now we don't have our anchor. We're not going to have our anchor. We have a defense that's going into the toilet fast. And I think that there's going to be two camps that are going to come out. One camp is going to go, well, we don't have Mitchell Robinson. We're doing the best that we can. We just have to get through this period. And I'm going to say I'm not in that camp. I'm going to be in the camp that why can't we be more creative? Why can't we be more innovative? Why can't we approach tactically our opponents? Because this situation requires it and that's that's where i'm at so i'll say this i I, and here i'll throw tip some bail which you know i am not one to do and then we'll get to um oh uh kevin left okay i thought kevin was kevin um come back up if you can come up um two things one i there is some one we have lost our most valuable player and i said that on the last episode of Casual Friday. Not that he's our, and that's Mitchell Robinson. Not that he's our best player, but he's our most valuable player because, and I realized this in the summer, everything we do on offense and defense is built around the strengths and deficiencies of Mitchell Robinson. And we are now seeing that live and in living color. And guess what? Most teams, if they lose their most valuable player or if they lose their defensive anchor who was a defensive player of the year candidate, they're going to struggle. If you take Rudy Gobert, like I saw somebody saying like, oh, uh, Tibbs needs to be more creative now. It's like, dude, there's certain players you just can't like cook up a strategy when you lose them. Like if the, if the Timberwolves lose Rudy Gobert, I don't know what is Chris Finch going to cook up. To, to cover that up, right? Like it's it, like it's just not gonna happen. If 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 even if the Heat like they lose Bam, I know we think that uh, Eric Spoelstra would just go out of Publix and just buy another buy another Bam, stick him in there, and that's not the case. Um, they're not gonna be as good. So that's just something we have to deal with. The second thing is you should see how your system plays out with with some minor tweaks when you lose a creative piece. Until the data shows you that okay, this doesn't change, and I, I there I will give Tim's bail. Um, and the example I will give is, and it's a it's a football example, but I'll give it. In the 2019 playoffs, the Ravens played the Titans, and the Ravens that was when Lamar won the MVP. Ravens were the number one seed, and at halftime, and the Ravens often struggled throughout the first half, but. At halftime, I believe the score was 10-3 Titans at, at home. The net, In the second half, the Ravens completely threw their playbook out the window and started passing like every single down. And it drove me up the wall because I was like, you're the best running team in football. You're down 10-3. Why have you thrown that out? But John Harbaugh just basically said, but he panicked and he said, nope, we're not going to keep doing it. We're, we're going we're gonna to throw out what worked and, then, and, and hope for the best and they end up losing the game. And that sticks with me to this day. So I will credit Tibbs for saying, all right, let's see how this works for a few games. But 
the proof is in the pudding. Again, the stats in the jumbotron. The Knicks have went from third in defensive rating to 18th. And don't I don't want to hear it because they played the Clippers. Because listen, yes, the Clippers are very good. They gave up 130 points to the Toronto Raptors, who cannot score. The Utah Jazz struggled to score, and they got to what 114, 117. Like we are giving up godly amounts of points to other teams. So my question is, how long will Tibbs? see that happening before he try before he does something different because to your point robert if this 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 easter conference is is jam-packed and a couple of said we go to we lose four out of five and then we might be looking at we might be in the play and and my worry is it will be too long i mean from my vantage point it's already too long so if we don't see a change on this road trip we got what we get to Milwaukee Bucks back to back around the Christmas holiday. Uh, this thing can be looking pretty poor pretty fast. And if you get punched, it's not it's not just getting hit. You gotta be able to withstand the hit, but it's how do you react? And my concern is that it's gonna be more of the same auto subs, uh, minutes uh, allocation that is very stifling, not very creative, you know, wh- whatever it is, whether, whether you want to start pay, playing three-quarter court press, whether you want to start IQ Grimes and RJ one day, I don't, I don't care. We do something. Yeah, something has to change. Um, something, ha- something, has, something has to give. Like, and the funny thing is, there's going to be a lot of people that are, when Todd is going to start getting minutes and there's going to be a lot of people, the same, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to complain and say like, Oh, why are we taking away minutes from Jericho Sims when for, for 38 year old Todd Gibson and they you know beat their drum about, we don't develop people, yada, yada, yada. And I'm going to be like, are you watching the games? Like, j- like players can't be on scholarship. Like I love Jericho Sims. Like he get it. He gets the sh- destroyed on the boards destroyed destroyed like like uh chris said zubats and 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 nurkic had him on like had him in had him in the in the elimination chamber it was crazy so um well, i mean put i mean sean i just want to ask you one question that i'll yes. kind of i gotta get pretend to work for a bit um <clears throat> i mean one theoretical solution and you can't play it night in night out and is play julius at the five of it Especially, I mean, how many true centers are there in the NBA? I mean, obviously there's your Gobert, your Embiid, whatever it may be. But, like, why not do something like that? I I know we're not going to see it. I know why, but that's part of the problem. Do you know who our head coach is? I do. (laughs) It's frustrating, but... But I'm saying... and, and, and And this is where the two camps go, because... I can appreciate Tom Tom Thibodeau for what he's done and raising the floor and a team being competitive night out. But I'm not going to be gaslit and told that, you know, because uh, Mitchell Robinson's not here, you know, we, we this, you know, sub 500 record or whatever it may be is acceptable. And I, and I think that that's, I think that that's going to be the narrative if things go south of it. And I just don't agree with it. No, I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I think someone said it. I think it might have been Frank. Um, shout out to Frank. Um, and shout out to everyone that's here listening. That uh, he, like for someone who like relies on the data, sometimes he thinks he knows better than the data. It's like, like someone tweeted like a while ago during the uh, the thumbs down season, like Tibbs, quote unquote, knows what works. And because he quote unquote knows what works, um, he is going to he is going to keep going what he's he's gonna he will do what he does until it slaps him in the face that it's not working. Because he just say like, Oh, you're not doing enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, but it is what it is. Chris, Menta, any thoughts? Yeah, our head coach is is who he is, and something like starting Julius Randle at the five isn't isn't is just not tenable because like um 
like like Macri says, I, I forget what he says specifically, but basically, um, rim protection is Tom Thibodeau's religion, and he will not. He's he's a devout follower of that religion, and he will not be doing anything other than making sure he has a rim protector in there, or at least a nominal uh, five. The I think it's just for me, it's really frustrating to watch the Jericho Sims go out there. And I think that's why we, we brought in Taj. Like after like watching Jericho Sims out there last night, I'm like, yeah, Taj will be starting on Christmas. There's there's no way we're gonna continue with this because it's not even that and this is something that I that I keep my eye on now. Like we are not winning the rebounding battle, even though we have a quote unquote good rebounder in Julius Randle. Like, yeah, he gets a lot of rebounds, but does he help us rebound? Is what it is. And it looked a lot easier when Mitchell Robinson was out there boxing out and, you know, a guy who's a professional rebounder. That's not Jericho Sims. He's not a professional rebounder. And having a guy like Taj Gibson brought in, which a lot of people I'm sure were not happy about, but me, I loved it because he can at least shoot a quarter three and box somebody out. And those two things are gigantic in this system. So I'm happy to see that we have Taj. He may not... If he, if Taj can give us at this point in his career, if he can if he can give us ten to fifteen minutes, if he can be like our Udonis Haslam, you know, kind of a player, then yeah, sure, I'm 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 all for it. I'm happy to see he's here, and hopefully because we have Milwaukee two games in a row, and they are shooting free throw percentages from three against us. And I don't want to wake up on Christmas morning and watch the Knicks give up 89% from three because it's just that's just that's where it's trending with the Milwaukee Bucks against the New York Knicks. So if if we can get a guy like like a Taj Gibson to give us seven minutes a half, you know, to allow the rest of the team to do what they do best, then sure. But we do need to see changes because the defense is really bad. Like I said, R.J. Barrett made shots last night. Everybody said RJ Pratt needs to make his shots. Well, he made his shots and we still give up 146 points. So we need like there need to be some wholesale changes as far as what we do philosophically and who is playing like with the rotation. We, we cannot have our four best defenders coming off the bench. It's not like even if you think that, you know, you need to play Jalen Brunson and you need to play Julius Randle a lot, which I agree with. You need those two guys to play. You also need to insulate them against their bad habits. You need to insulate Jalen Brunson against his bad habits on defense. Like Jalen Brunson was closing out on Norm Powell a couple times last night and he's crowding the shooter space. I'm like, brother. A guy like De'Aaron Fox would see that and you would be out of the game in three minutes because the way he like it's just he has bad habits that he can't really change because, you know, he is who he is at this point. Julius Randle. Oh, my goodness. The defense he played on Kawhi Leonard last night made everybody remember why Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the 2019 Toronto Raptors that went all the way. He looked so bad on defense last night it was it was sad almost to watch Julius Randle go out like that because I haven't seen him get outclassed and outgunned like that all season he played against Giannis and gave Giannis 40 you know he he outplayed him that night but against Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard just taking him in in isolation <laughs> and and making him play off the like it was oh man it was really rough he he Julius Randle okay and I do want to say this playing bad defense on Kawhi Leonard one night and then the night previous on Kevin Durant. That's not the end of the world. Like a lot of guys will play poor defense on Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard back to back. But the way Julius Randle did it to me, it pointed out why we're a poor defense at the moment, because one, we're not winning the rebounding battle. And two of our guys who are getting like 36 plus minutes a night are not good defenders. So we need to figure out the defense because it's been bad for a while now. It's been so bad that we went from top five to bottom half of the league in two weeks. So there just needs to be a change there. Like there just needs to be a change there. And I think that Todd Gibson is part of that solution. But what we need to see is we need to see more Quinn Grimes. We need to see more Emmanuel quickly. We need to figure out a way to get our best defenders on the court. And unfortunately, if that means less RJ Barrett, then that's just kind of where we're at. You know, we just like the defense has to be prioritized so that we can like level off and stabilize this team because we are not heading into an easy stretch run. Maybe after January. Yeah. But this next, what, eight games could define our season. And we need to figure it out pretty quickly. Menza, can I ask you a question? Yes. 
Like, so you, you say all that. So, but <clears throat> let's just, let's just think these eight games. Do you expect any material changes? Number one, that's the first question. And then my, fo- my follow-up question is, if the answer is no, at this point, is that acceptable? So I do expect there to be a material change. And that material change is um, we're going to say goodbye to Jericho Sims in the next eight games as far as his rotation minutes. And we're going to see more Taj Gibson, which I know um, like Macri likes to say, are you giving the effort and are you executing? Taj Gibson will give the effort and he will execute Tom Thibodeau's defense. How far he can go is up to him, but I do expect to see that. I do expect to see less Jericho Sims. And with the, as far as like Quickly's minutes, honestly, it's anybody's guess because Tom Thibodeau has found religion on Emmanuel Quickly pretty much every season. Um, is it going to happen in the next eight games? I don't know. Will it happen eventually? Hopefully, because it's looking like the way... Like I don't. Here's my here's my worst nightmare with uh with Emmanuel Quickly, who's currently our eighth man, which is something that I will not ever be okay with. Emmanuel Quickly being the eighth man in the rotation. Um, the one thing that I'm worried about is we don't play Emmanuel Quickly enough to boost his trade value. So that, like in this in the in, in the chance that we do that something like that that a great deal comes on the table and we are offering Emmanuel Quickly. The other team can say, oh, well, you're only playing him 20 minutes, you know, as, as as opposed to where he should be playing and giving us the value commensurate to one, his next contract and two, what we can get in a trade. I'm worried that we won't be able to use him as an asset in a trade without attaching a ton of picks. And I'm also worried that a team like Toronto can clear up cap space and throw him an offer sheet the Knicks won't match. I'm very worried about where the Emmanuel Quickly situation is going because we're not playing him. And because we're not playing him, I know we're not going to pay him. So to let it go to restricted free agency is going to be a worry. But to answer your question specifically, Robert, um, I do think that if we don't make any material changes after watching this team's defense, um, go on a landslide to the bottom. That that is absolutely unacceptable. And um, I think Sean said it on the first episode of Casual Friday that this is the last full season that Tom Thibodeau will be coaching as a New York Knicks, and you're starting to see the cracks in the paint. So it's possible. It's possible that Tom Thibodeau does something very unacceptable, which is not learning from his mistakes. And I think it will cost him. But I do think that the front office gave him um, they threw him a rope with in the in um, number 67 from Fort Green, Brooklyn, Taj Gibson. I think that I think Taj Gibson will help and it'll help us just enough to get us over the hump until Mitchell Robinson gets back. 